Hello everyone, thank you for listening to today's message. My name is Pastor Dwayne Life, lead pastor at the Life Point Community Church. What you're going to hear today is a message from one of our recent services. And we believe that by listening to today's message, you're going to be blessed and encouraged from the Word of God. You're going to be strengthened. And we believe that God's going to speak to you in a very fresh, new, and real way through today's message. So thanks again for listening. Be blessed and encouraged. And we love you. God bless. Hey, hey, hey. Man, I'm glad you're here. I'm, I'm glad that you've uh, chosen to worship today with us here at LifePoint, and I'm, I'm just thrilled that you're here. And uh, we're, we're going to jump in to our, our discussion about Joseph, an awesome character from the Old Testament. But uh, b- before we get there, I need to talk to you just a minute. Can, I, can, we, can we talk? Here's what I'm going I'm, I'm to ask you to do with me today. Um, I'm, let me tell you how I prayed for you today. I said, God, I want everyone in this building to leave with a nugget. To leave with something that they can sink their teeth into. To leave with something that they can... Now listen, I'm, I'm not so uh, naive to think that you're going to remember everything I say over the next little while. But here's what I want you to do. I want you to listen for the nugget. Because I believe God's going to give you one. But how many of you know that God doesn't give you stuff just to give you stuff. He gives you something so you'll do something with it. So I want you to take that nugget, whatever that nugget is, and it may not be one of these fancy slides with the cool little fill-ins. It may be something completely different. So I want you to listen for the nugget. Here's what I want you to do with the nugget. Man, some of you are, uh, some of you post goofy stuff on social media all the time. Okay, you seem insulted. I post goofy stuff on social media. I've Took a picture of my TV screen last yesterday because the Braves are back. Come on, somebody. Give me some love for the Braves being back. Two people are excited. I don't care. Um, post it. Listen, maybe God gave you that nugget and it's not for you. It's for somebody else. You're going to be having a conversation with somebody this week, and, and, and they're going to be sharing a struggle with you, and that nugget's going to jump in your heart. I want you to share it. I want you to do something with it. So I want you to turn to somebody and say, listen for the nugget. Turn, turn to your second favorite and say, God's got a nugget just for you. Now let's talk about, let's talk about Joseph. Um, we've talked about Joseph in the pit. We've talked about Joseph in, the potter, in, in Potiphar's house. And uh, now we're going to pick up Joseph in the prison. So uh, we're going to talk about your prison place today. Our, our, our series text has been Acts chapter 7, verses 9 and 10. You can read along with me. Send your bulletins on the screen behind me or will be. And the patriarchs, jealous of Joseph, sold him into Egypt, but God was with him. Please circle those four words. God was with him, rescued him out of all of his afflictions, and gave him favor and wisdom before Pharaoh, king of Egypt, who made him ruler over Egypt and over all his household. God was with him. So in, in case you might be unfamiliar with the story of Joseph, Joseph was his father's favorite and was not shy about being his father's favorite. Uh, and his father wasn't shy about letting everybody know that he was, uh, that Joseph was his favorite, gave him his fancy coat, which was a big deal. Uh, and, and, and Joseph's arrogance got him into trouble, made his brothers mad at him. They threw him in a pit 
uh, was going to kill him. Somebody stepped in and said, no, 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 don't, let's not kill him. Let's just sell him into slavery because that's better. Uh, he, he went to work for a, a guy named Potiphar in Egypt who was the, a, a chief of men, chief of soldiers, and Potiphar's wife liked him, came on to him, and we left Joseph last week running away from Potiphar's wife who wanted him to sleep with her. So the pit we talked about a couple weeks ago refer to those times when trouble and heartache and sickness and depression and all those other difficulties seem to have you buried. Last week we talked about Potiphar's house and that represents those times in our life when we're in a place we just don't feel like we belong. Joseph was away from his people, away from his family, in a different culture, a different language. He didn't belong there. Today we're going to talk about the prison place. Let me tell you about the prison place. The prison place in, for you and me is going to represent those times in our lives when we just seem stuck. It may look like addiction. It might look like debt. How many know debt can be a prison? You with me? Yeah. It might look like a bad marriage. Oh, and it might look like Prison. So we're going to talk about what we're going to learn from Joseph's time in the prison. Here's the first thing I want you to recognize and I want you to write down. I want you to make sure that your prison really is a prison. Um, we're really spoiled, aren't we? Sometimes we complain about things we've got no business complaining about. So I, I want you to be careful calling something the prison that somebody else might call a paradise. So let's be careful. See, we, we're, we struggle with first world stuff, don't we? <laughs> um, and, and if you don't know what a first world problem is, how many ever complained that your Wi-Fi was too slow? That's a, that's a first world problem. We are half a generation removed from this phrase. Get off the internet, I have to use the phone. <laughs> Anybody remember that? Yes, yes. So we're, that's just a half a generation ago. Uh, here's a first world problem. I bet you've said this. Oh my goodness, I have filled up on chips and salsa, now I can't finish my grande burrito. <laughs> I have said that. I've said that twice this week. But oddly enough, I filled it, finished it anyway, so... Um, I said this not too long ago. My HDTV is not 4K. <laughs> Can I let you in a little secret? I don't even know what a K is. <laughs> How many of you have said this, if you're willing to admit it? On grocery day, I don't know where I'm going to put all this food. <laughs> Having to make room in your refrigerator for the groceries you just bought. That is definitely a first world problem. How about this one? Oh, you're not going to want to admit to this one, but it's true. You walk into a room in your house where your clothes live. <laughs> and you made this statement. Thank you. <laughs> Got nothing to wear. Is that a first world deal? Oh, yeah. I can't. I'm riding around in a strange town and I can't find a Starbucks. Or if you're Tim Johnson, a Dunkin' Donuts. I, I read about this new anxiety disorder. It's not labeled an anxiety disorder yet, but it's, 
It's becoming a big deal. Would you like to hear about it? It is called low battery anxiety. Where people literally change their schedule to work around their battery life. It's a thing. So here's all I'm saying is before we call a circumstance, before we call a situation we might be living in a prison, let's make sure it's, it's, it's really a prison and not my 4K TV is not 4K or my HD TV is not 4K. In, in fact, prison might be an upgrade. Let, now, now think, here's what you have to understand. Potiphar was captain of the guard. And what many scholars believe is that one of Potiphar's duty, duties was to take uh, charge of the men who were carrying out capital orders for the king. In other words, he was captain of the executioners. And Joseph just got accused of raping his wife. Where should Joseph be? He should be dead. He, in fact, here's what, I believe that that's a result of two things. I think, first of all, I think, because some scholars tell us that Joseph had lived with Potiphar for 11 years. And, and you're never going to find this in a commentary. This is just a duanitary. I think Potiphar knew that his wife was lying. Had to do something, so he sends him to prison instead of cutting his head off. And it's another example of the favor of God on Joseph's life. So let, let's, let's just say this. Listen, the place that you're in, that you're calling a prison, listen, it, it, it may actually be a blessing that you don't recognize. So here's, here's Genesis chapter 39. And, and if you want to follow along, you can follow along. We're going to be Genesis chapter 39, Genesis 40. You, you can read this on your own when you go home. Uh, but we'll, we'll, we'll paraphrase most of it. But I want you to hear Genesis 39, three verses, 20 to 23. Joseph's master took him and put him in prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confined. But while Joseph was there in prison, uh-oh, here it is again, the Lord was with him. He showed him kindness and granted him favor in the eyes of the prison warden. So the warden put Joseph in charge of all those who held in the prison, who were held in the prison, and he has made responsible, and he was made responsible. I gotta, I'm having to increase my font size. Anybody struggle with can't get it big enough. And he was made responsible for all that was done there. The warden paid no attention to anything under Joseph's care because the Lord was with Joseph and gave him success in whatever he did. I want you to tell you something interesting I found when I was studying this. Because like when, I, when I bring you passages of Scripture, I, I typically read those passages in a bunch of different translations. And I read one, and it said it this way. All right, where we read, the Lord was with him, and he showed him kindness. He showed him kindness. So who's showing Joseph kindness? The Lord. The Lord was with Joseph. He showed him kindness and granted him favor. So who's granting Joseph favor? The Lord. I read it like this. And Joseph became the favorite of the warden. How many of you know that there's a big difference between you being somebody's favorite and God granting you favor? I want to talk to you about God granting you favor. I kind of have my own little Joseph story. 
Uh, I'll share it with you. Um, right out of technical school, I'm like, I'm like 20. I get a job for a little town, little co company in Norcross called Southern Copy Machines. It's a very small, one, you, you know, just one building, uh, just a handful of employees. Had some salesmen, the service department, and I was I was hired in the service department. And, and God really began to give me favor with the owner of the company early, early on. I got in trouble with him one time. You know why I got in trouble with him? Not because I was late, not because I laid out of work, but because I walked away from an empty coffee pot. You should never walk away from an empty coffee pot. You know why? You need to make some more. He said, if I'm not too good to make a pot of coffee, neither are you, young man. <laughs> yes, sir. And I've been making coffee ever since. Anyway, God just kind of gave me favor with, with the president of the company. And, and after a few years, we were bought out by a, a, a bigger corporation. Then we had a couple of mergers. And, and on into the, the middle 90s, we became a, a, a part of a multinational organization. And the president of our little company, or the owner of our little company, was now the president of this multinational organization. But he still liked Dwayne. And so from time to time, he would say, hey, um, you want to play in a golf tournament tomorrow? We're sponsoring a golf tournament at the Cherokee Country Club. Would you like to play? Uh, yeah. And I said, uh, it's a work day. He said, you're good. And so I, I would have to go to my boss and say, uh, Mr. Curran wants me to play in a golf tournament tomorrow. Is that a problem? Well, I can't really say no, can I? Like, mm. it just t thing after thing after thing just God gave me favor with him. When I left to go into the ministry, I walked into his office, which by this point was palatial. And I said, uh, he knew why I was there because I'd already turned in a, a letter of resignation to my immediate boss. And, and he said, Dwayne, you're, you're making me do something that I don't want, really want to do. And I said, what's that? And he said, you, you're making me argue with God. Uh, I saw him not too long ago. Try to get together every every Christmas, and it's been about three years since we've done that. And uh, he began to testify of the work that God was doing in his own life, and it just was just beautiful to watch this, because I was there 17 years. But here's what I need you to understand: I didn't I didn't have favor with Mr. Curran because Mr. Curran liked me. I had favor with Mr. Curran because God's hand was on. So I need you to understand where your favor comes from. You know, if, if, you, if you drove away from a, a, a traffic stop with a warning instead of a ticket, it, maybe it wasn't because you just ran into a nice police officer. Maybe God's favor's on your life. I, I want you to understand when these things happen, it, it, it may not be just pure coincidence. It's probably because God's favor's on your life. So I, I, I want you to see um, that when God's favor's on our life, I want to say this correctly. When God's favor's on our life, good things happen even when things don't look good. That passage we read said that while Joseph was there in prison, the Lord was with him. In the middle of his prison place, God was with him. In the middle of the prison God was with him. And verse 23 says, the warden paid no attention because the Lord was with Joseph. And here's what I want you to see, that the story of Joseph 
reminds us continually that God is with us. Maybe you, like I, have tried to outrun God and it didn't work out well for you, did it? He's with us. There's this beautiful story. We won't take time to read the whole story in the Old Testament that, that talks about a guy named Gideon. You know, anybody know the story of Gideon? A guy named Gideon. It was an awesome story. Uh, Gideon is, it, during his history, Israel is in a, is in a bad place. They're, they're misbehaving and they're paying for it. it. Has anybody ever been there, by the way? And so this angel comes to Gideon and there's this discourse that takes place. I'm just going to kind of read it to you because there's this, there's this other country that's just kicking Israel's fanny. And people are dying and Israel's losing and it's a bad part of their history. And here's, here's what happens, this little discourse between um, this angel and Gideon, who is, by the way, hiding when the angel comes to him. The angel of the Lord appeared. This is Judges chapter 6. The angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon and he said, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Did he look like a mighty warrior? What, was, what did I just tell you he was doing? He was hiding. How many know that God probably sees what he's preparing you for, not your current condition? The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. And, and, and I guess... He gets really polite, wouldn't you? If you, saw, you know, we don't know how big the angel was, but he was an angel. And, and Gideon says, "Pardon me, my lord, but if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Where are all his wonders that our ancestors told us about? I wonder have have you ever have you ever said those words, God? If you're so good, why is this happening, God? If you are with me." Why is this happening? My devotional when I was in high school, the name of the devotional was, If God love, Loves Me So Much, Why Can't I Get My Locker Open? <laughs> you ever felt that way? God, if you love me so much, why do I have a flat tire? If God loves me so much, why did I get sick? If God loves me so much, why did my mom die? If God loves me so much, why is this bad stuff happening? And the angel never answers him. He tells him to do this one thing. They ain't the the Lord turned to him and said, go in the strength you have. Hmm, I, I wonder, have, have you ever felt like your, we talked about when the battery runs low, you ever felt like your strength was on one bar? You know, what, what, what the angel told Gideon was, just take the strength that you have. And go. Be obedient in the strength that you have. And see, I, I think sometimes we feel like, well, I'm not strong enough to walk in obedience. I'm not strong enough to do what God's telling me to, to do. I don't have all the resources. I don't have all the strength. I'm, I'm done. I'm going to tell you that if you'll be obedient like Gideon was, and just go in the strength you have. Gideon gets polite again. He says, pardon me, my Lord, but how can I? How can I? And maybe you would say the same thing. I, I, I'm, I'm done. I got one bar. I got no strength. I got no resources. I got no ability. And God's telling me to go. How can I? And here, here's what the angel said. The Lord answered and said, I will be with you. So 
It, it looks to me like an obedient heart and the strength of the Lord is a powerful combination. Because if you know the rest of that story, it works out pretty well. Gideon takes an army to, to fight the Midianites and God says, you got too many men. And, and, and this is not a quote from scripture, but I think Gideon said, uh, what? What? Too, too many men. You got too many men. So weed some of them out. And so he weeds them down to like 300 men versus this huge army. And, and God shows himself strong because an obedient heart and the strength of God is a powerful combination. So maybe you're, today you walked in going, how can this happen to me? How, if God loves me so much, how can this happen? And you see, the angel never answered the question, but Jesus did. In fact, we have Jesus' response on the building across the way on Robbie Johnson Student Center. Connie and Bill told me a story about when, when Robbie was first born as, as a Down syndrome patient. That was a question. How? Why? What? And God took her to this passage of scripture. John 9 verse 3 says, this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. Maybe you're in this prison place. Not because it, it may have nothing to do with you. But so the works of God might be displayed in you. Wow. How would you like to have a testimony? And in the middle of the prison place, in the middle of a place where I... I didn't belong in the middle of my pit, in the middle of my struggle, in the middle of my difficult season. It all worked out so that the works of God might be displayed in my life. Mm. Which tells us this, that negative circumstances are not necessarily a sign of the absence of God's favor. So we think that when things go bad, that God has forsaken us. That's what Gideon said. Gideon said, oh. All this stuff you did for our ancestors, but now God has forsaken us. He's abandoned us. And I wonder if that's not some of the, the way we think sometimes. When things start to go bad, God, you've just forsaken us. You, you can't be in the middle of this. It looks too bad. Uh, anybody ever read the Message Bible, by the way? Just curious. The guy that put that together, his name's Eugene Peterson, and here's a quote from him. He said, suffering is not evidence of God's absence but of God's presence. And it is in our experience of being broken that God does his surest and most characteristic salvation work. It may be in this season that God's going to show himself stronger than he could otherwise. Maybe God has you in this season to show himself strong. I can think of no greater testimony to that than what happened to my friend Tim Johnson. He's going to come talk to you about that. And 
the battery on the tool that I was using died. Dad was working with me, and so he left to walk up to my trailer to get the tool, a uh, battery for that tool. So as I was coming down the ladder to, to get the battery from Dad, the ladder shifted on me. And my initial reaction was, get off the ladder. So I jumped. See, I had the ladder set up on the man's driveway. I don't know how high I was. I'm guessing maybe 14, 16 feet. And I landed flat-footed on my feet. Immediately, I knew something was wrong. I felt a pain like I've never felt before. And I was on the ground rolling around. I tried to stand up. I couldn't stand up. First thing I thought was, what's happening? Kelly was out of town. Fortunately, Dad was with me. My next thought was, you need prayer. So I called Dwayne. I said, Dwayne, I've hurt myself. I need you to pray. I don't know what's, what damage is, but it's bad. So was able to get, Dad was able to get the tools picked up and got me into the truck, took me over to Gainesville Hospital and told him what was going on. And the doctor said, well, he said, from what you're telling me, I, I, I think you're probably going to be all right. You probably just have some pretty bad bruises, uh, but we're going to go ahead and take some x-rays just to, just to make sure. So he took me back. They did the x-rays, and he came back to the room, and he said, well, he said, I was wrong. He said, both of your heels have multiple fractures. Are you sure you're not hurting anywhere else? I said, no, this is just my, just my feet, maybe a little up my calves some, but that's it. He said, we're going to do a CAT scan because from what I'm seeing from the x-rays, your back should be broken. So they took me back, they did the CAT scan, and everything was fine. There was no fractures, no displacement, nothing. So it was just my heels. The doctor told me, he said that your heels are the hardest bone in your body. Fortunately, you have no displacement in the fractures. So we're not going to have to do surgery on your heels. But there is a little bit of compression in the left ankle. So I would recommend that we go in, expand that out, and put a plate in and a couple of screws. I said, you know, if I'm going to be laid up, you know, let, let's do this. Because the orthopedic PA had been in there. And she had told me that you're probably going to be laid up for at least 12 weeks. And I'm thinking, okay, 12 weeks, that means I can't work. That means I have no income. So, all right, this is, this is the way it is. So I get home, and Kelly had been out of town, as I said. She comes home, and we finally get to talk to each other, and... We're like, you know what? God's going to get us through this, you know? He, as, as Dwayne, he came up to the hospital immediately. And, you know, one of the things that he told me was God was not surprised by this. He knew this was going to happen today, and he's still on his throne. Immediately, we started feeling the love from all of our friends and all of our family. A few weeks before I had fallen, we had gone through the growth track. And I learned 
through the spiritual gifts was that I had the gift of faith, and I didn't know that. God was testing that faith. I know you said I only had five minutes, but good Lord. Just... Go. You're good. <laughs> Kelly started keeping a journal because God's favor, the blessings just started flowing in. She was out of town. As I said, I went home from the hospital to mom and dad's house. That was on a Friday. I was going home on Sunday. A friend of mine went to my house on Sunday morning and built a ramp so I could get into my house in the wheelchair. Because, see, I was going to be in a wheelchair for 12 weeks. So I get home, get in the house, everything's fine. And then I realized that with the wheelchair I had, I couldn't roll around in my driveway. I could get outside, but I couldn't roll around in my driveway because my driveway's not level. God provided me an electric wheelchair. That wheelchair allowed me to go outside. I could go up and down my driveway. I could go into the garage where I would feel like a man. You know, if it was just to sit out there and drink a cup of coffee, you know. But through this whole process, God just kept showing up and showing up and showing up. And I hear about and read about the peace that passeth all understanding. We had that. We did not, we, we didn't, were we concerned? Yes. I mean, that's just our natural human tendency. But we weren't worried, you know. We had peace. And as I said, Kelly's kept a journal. I mean, there's just time after time after time after time where God showed up, financial provision after financial provision. And, you know, when you're obedient to God, he's going to be faithful to you. You know, it says that your cup will runneth over. Our cup ran over. And it's all because of God's favor. Was it a negative situation for us? Yeah. But it was a great situation in the end. We knew God was going to show up. And we knew God was going to show out. And that he did. Hey, hey before, before you go. Um, so I, I just wonder, in the journal... Um, that Kelly kept, is there, is there a record of how many meals you missed? Uh, no, because I don't think I missed any. <laughs> Man, thank you, Tim, for sharing. It, it was funny. I was, I was sitting in front of these notes Friday, and I, I'm like, I, I have to ask Tim this. I, I could have I shared that story for him, but I wanted you to hear from his mouth how God is faithful and shows his favor even in difficult times. Even in, you know, you can't imagine, well, I'm sure you can't imagine, but the, the first thing that pops in your head when you're like, all right, I got, I was in the room when she said, you're probably done for 12 weeks. And you can see the calculator in his head running over. So here's, here's the deal. What I want you to get out of this whole deal today is that even in the midst of trial and turmoil and prison and addiction and debt and bad relationships and struggling times, that God can prove himself true and faithful and show you his favor. So uh, Joseph is in this prison place. And if you, I'm just going to kind of summarize chapter 40 for you. So he's in there. We don't know how long he's in there. The Bible says, and for some time. So he might have been there two years. He might have been there 11 years. We don't know how long he was there, but for some time he's there. And all of a sudden, two guys out of the king's court show up. It's a, it's a baker and the cupbearer. 
And they both get in trouble with the king. And so they show up in the, in the prison, and both of them have bad dreams. And for some reason, they go to Joseph, and Joseph is going to interpret the dreams for them. And the, the cupbearer says, hey, what's my dream mean? And he says, listen, what your dream means is that in three days, uh, you're going to be good. Everything's going to everything's be fine. You're going to get your position restored. Everything will be fine. And the baker said, well, what's my dream mean? And he's like, you don't want to know. Uh, because in three days, the king is going to impale you on a pole. Bad news. Well, both of those things actually happened, right? And so Joseph makes one request. He said to the, uh, the cupbearer in Genesis 40, 23, or Genesis chapter 40, just when you get back into Pharaoh, just plead my case for me. Just let him know. That I'm a good guy, I didn't, I'm, I'm an innocent man, plead my case for me. And here's what happens in Genesis 40, 23. The chief cupbearer, however, did not remember Joseph. He forgot him. So write this down. When men forget, God remembers. Maybe you feel that in this prison place, you've been forgotten, you've been abandoned. I'm going to tell you that just because you're there doesn't mean God has abandoned you. Doesn't mean God has forsaken you. Doesn't mean that God is not. Does y'all probably have never prayed like this, but I have from time to time. Do, do you even hear me? Uh, the answer is yes. He does hear you. <laughs> the truth is that when men when men fail us, when men forget us, when friends and family forsake us, when we fall off the ladders, that God's always faithful and his promises are true and his word is sure. So here's the question. What do the pit and Potiphar's house and the prison all have in common? See, there is a, a common thread. All of them were places of preparation. All of them were places where God was preparing Joseph for what was coming. I, I, I don't like, I like telling my stories. And you know that by now because I tell them all the time and you've heard them all. I don't like telling this one. I'm going to tell you about the loneliest time in my life. I don't want to insult people that deal with clinical depression by saying I was depressed because I don't think I was clinically depressed. I'm just going to tell you this was the lowest, loneliest time of my life. We had resigned our position at the Statesboro Church of God where we had a dynamic, growing student ministry. And we, we were in a church that they were taking care of us financially and, 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 and we had all the benefits and everything was good. And God told us to quit and to come back to Loganville to plant a church. Well, if you'll remember what 2007 looked like, the economy wasn't great. People that had had thriving construction businesses were working at Home Depot. It was a bad time. So we moved back in, moved back to, 
to North Georgia, and move in with some friends, and are living in the equivalent of a 400-square-foot uh, apartment with no kitchen, with two small children. The kids get enrolled in school. Donna finds her job at Loganville Christian, and, and my thought was, we're going to move back up there, I'm going to find a job, and we're going to, we'll, we'll buy a house, and, and we'll, we'll plant this church. Well, one week becomes four, and four weeks becomes two months, and two months becomes four months, and Duane is spending hours every day trying to find a, a way to earn a living. My, my wife and kids leave every morning to go to school, go to work, and I'm staring at a computer screen. I'm, I'm on my phone. I'm, I'm trying to find a place to earn a living, and I've never felt that lonely. I've never felt that was a moment when I looked at God and said, Really? Are, are, you, are you kidding me? We, we leave this place in obedience, and here we are. I, I can't provide for my family. We don't have a place to live other than this basement. And oh, by the way, I was complaining about that prison. Somebody would, would think that that was the palace. And I was lonely. And I was mad. And I was confused. Uh, one, one night, we went to bed with my wife crying because, you know, she, this was our life. You know, we had no privacy. We had no, it, was, it, was, it wasn't comfortable. It wasn't good. It was frustrating. And, and so I'm like, well, some, some man of God you are can't even take care of your family. I, I remember sitting on that, on that bed after they left and just, Crying out to God, God, why? Why am I here? I know now. Because God was preparing me for what he had prepared for me. So when I stand in front of you and I make statements like that, it's not because I read them in a cool book. Because I cried out to God, God, what are you doing? And God had silence. So I entered a season of my life where I laid before the Lord like I never had. I cried out to God like I never had. And step after step, God put it all in order. And so I stand in front of you and I say, it'll look different in the rearview mirror. I know what I'm talking about. So maybe this prison place, this and, and maybe that maybe prison's not the right word, but maybe this, this season that you're walking through, that you, you don't understand why you're working where you're working, why you're hanging out with the people that you're hanging out with, and why things are going the way they're going. Maybe God is preparing you so that his works may be glorified in you, displayed in you. So I'm going to give you four takeaways from Joseph's time in prison. And, and please... If you hadn't found your nugget yet, please take this one. You are not alone. God is with you. If you could, if, if you were the fastest man on the planet, you could not run him. You're not alone. 
See, I, I've stood for many years now and proclaimed the truth. God has a plan to prosper you, not to harm you, to give you hope in the future. And listen, this season that you might be in doesn't change any of that. So you're not alone. The second thing I want you to remember is that you have an opportunity to let your prison be an opportunity to display God's favor. Let me ask you a question. If Tim's testimony encouraged you, raise your hand. Now, was it, was it fun? No, sure it wasn't. Was it, it wasn't pleasant for, you know, Dwayne to come over to his house and we, we'd go to get in the truck. I'm like, hurry up, hurry up, hurry up. Here's the worst part. He couldn't go to the Chinese buffet because, you know, it's, he's in this chair. I'm like, well, I'm going to have to find a new friend until this is all. <laughs> but for the rest of his life, he'll have a testimony of the goodness of God and his favor and his blessing in the middle of a prison place. So you can look at that in the rearview mirror and find God's purpose and plan. Let God use this place. And listen, you can't do it if you're whining the whole time. It doesn't work that way. Number three, listen, men may lock the door, but God holds the key. That's good, man. I'm sorry, but that's just, maybe, maybe you're in this, in this difficult place because somebody else hurt you. Somebody else Locked that door. Man, listen. God holds the key. We're, we're going to see uh, next week how Joseph gets out of prison. And it's a cool story. And, and lastly here, don't discount the preparation process. Don't discount how God is using this time in your life to mold you and shape you and form you into the man and woman of God he's called you to be. Donna, come and, and let's, let's, uh, let's pray. Hey, here's, here's what I want to share with you today. Uh, I, I want you to bow your heads, and I want to pray for you. And I, I, I try to do this every, every week, and so I want, you to, I want you to listen to me. Uh, ushers are kind of moving around, but I, I want you to be just quiet and still as best you can and just listen. It, maybe, maybe you've tuned out everything else up to this point. I, I need you to give me about 90 seconds, maybe two minutes to just to just listen the, the reason I can boldly declare that God is with us is because if you're a follower of Christ he lives in your heart he goes everywhere you go and I'm going to tell you what makes that possible what, what made that kind of relationship with God possible is because his son paid a penalty that you owed. Maybe you've heard this story over and over and over again. Just, just, just let this sink in again. That Jesus Christ became sin so that the sinful can become righteous. That's me and you. And, and that word righteous sounds all religious and all, but here's what it means. It means 
that the one who was right with God traded places with those of us who were not right with God so we could be called right with God. And if you're a follower of Christ, when God looks at you, he doesn't see your sin. He doesn't see your failure. He doesn't see your brokenness. You know what he sees? He sees you as he created you to be. And that's good news, y'all. So if you're here and you've never crossed that line of faith where you say, God, I believe that your son Jesus is everything that he claimed to be. I believe he's the son of God. And I believe he took my place on the cross. And I believe he shed his blood for my, for my sin. He paid for my sin with his blood. I believe that. If you've never, if you've never crossed that line, we've declared your belief in Jesus and who he was and what he did. Man, I would, I would just challenge you today. His presence is among us. And he so desperately wants to take your life and make it count. He wants to take your life and give you what he said of, himself, of, of your life, that he wanted to give you an abundant, full, rich life. That didn't just stop when you breathed your last breath, but an e eternal life forever and forever with him. So if you've never crossed that line of faith where you said, Christ, I, I, I believe that you are who you said you were, come in my heart. Forgive me my sin. The Bible says that when we come to him, we come to him in repentance. And that's just a, a, a religious word to say that we agree with God that our sin is sin. And we ask for his forgiveness and we turn away from it. We turn away from our old life and run to the new life that he's offered us. And, and so if, if you've never crossed that line, man, this morning, I would just challenge you. Nobody looking around. Listen. When we pray, you pray a prayer like that. Christ, I believe in you. I know who I am and I know who you are. Come into my heart. Forgive me my sin. Give me a new life. And I, I believe that if you'll do that, you'll point to this day. as the day that your eternity changed forever. Or maybe you're here. And you say, Dwayne, I'm, I'm in the middle of, of a difficult place. I'm in the middle of a, a I feel stuck. Maybe you feel stuck um, in, in your job. I, I get it, I've been there. Maybe you feel stuck in, in your relationships. Maybe if you feel stuck financially, maybe you feel stuck spiritually. You're just not growing. And here's what I'm not going to do. I'm not going to ask God to snatch you out of that negative situation. Here's what I'm going to ask God to do. To show forth His glorious acts in the middle of it. To help you find the purpose in the middle of your prison place. To help mold and guide and direct you into, into what he's, he's wanting you to become and me to become, by the way. So I'm going to pray for you. If I, just with nobody looking around, if you say, Dwayne, I'm going to pray to receive Christ today. And I'm going to pray that God would 
by the power of his son Jesus, come into my heart. Forgive me of my sins. I'm going to pray that prayer today. I want you to slip your hand up. Just so I know who's praying. Amen. Amen. And that's glorious, y'all. Maybe, maybe you say, Dwayne, I'm, I'm, in, I'm in a prison place. And I need you to pray for me. I'm a, I'm a little discouraged that you didn't, you said you weren't going to pray for it to be over with. But I understand that God's going to do something special. That's God going to, God's going to show his works. God's going to show off in the middle of my pl- middle of this place. But I need you to pray for strength. I need you to pray for, for vision. I need you to pray for wisdom and understanding while I'm walking through this prison place. I want you to slip your hand up so I know I'm praying for you. Amen. 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 Lord, thank you for those that are praying a prayer right now. For Christ to come into our heart, forgive us of our sin. God, I thank you that eternity's changed. Life changes. Our world changes when we let Jesus take over. So God, I, I thank you for what you're doing in lives. And God, I pray for men and women. They're stuck. You know, in, in difficult work environments, in difficult relationships, difficult financial situations, and even spiritual situations where we feel stuck. God, would you do this? Would you take our obedience, just like you did Gideon, with the little strength that we have, add it to your strength, our obedient heart, and your unfathomable strength and use it to bring about good in our situation, in our life. Show forth your glorious work in our life. God, thank you that we know your work. We know that you're even in the middle, that you are with us in our prison place. You're with us in our negative circumstances and you're covering us with with your favor. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Hey, would you do this? I want you to do two things. I want you to right now, whatever that nugget is, I want you to write it down somewhere. Maybe you need to put it in your phone. But I want you to write it down. And then here's what I want you to do. Because we serve a God who is big and great and awesome and powerful. The Bible says that God is great and he is to be praised greatly. I want you to lift up a great powerful praise to the Lord right now before we go any further. Give the Lord praise. Amen. Amen. Hey, I want to see those nuggets shared on Facebook and Instagram and whatever else. God bless y'all.